Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Online Tennis Podcast, episode 21. Today, it's myself, Jack Edwards, and my co-host is... Hey, Daniel uh, Coast. <laughs> hey, uh, happy to be back here. Hey. How you doing, Damien? Uh, yeah, as we just talked about, I, I'm, yes. rec- I'm now down with COVID, but... He is, yeah, with a smile on his face. Uh, yeah. I like it. <laughs> it's like the probably the last day or so that I have any symptoms, so... Yeah. I, I'm gonna be fine. I'm alive and kicking and ready to talk about the day. He's <laughs> doing me a big favor. Unfortunately, Gavin couldn't make it this week, so Damien, although he's COVID-ridden even, is uh, stepping in at the last minute. So thank you very much, Damien. J- just one thing, sorry, before we dive in, Damien. The, you're part. Are you part of Popcorn Tennis? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. I'm quite excited about that. We are gonna be uh, working together on another site, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I well, might as well flog that as well. There's gonna be popcorn tennis. Will be the, the most popular thing in tennis in no time, guys. So get on it early. Obviously, you know, twelve different bloggers putting out different articles all the time. I think we're gonna try and get an article out a day. I'm pretty sure. So yeah, yeah, check it out. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at popcorn tennis. So anyway, yeah, we're not here to talk about that. We are here to talk about the Davis Cup. Tons and tons happened, so hopefully we can fly through it really quickly. Just going to go through the results, basically. Russia have just won it, so we'll get on to that at the end. Um, but we'll, we'll talk about everything from the, the group stages to the knockout stages and uh, everything in between. So I was just I was just going to dive in. Damien, I was going to go to Group A. That was Spain, Russia and Ecuador. Do you know anything about the Ecuadorian team? Just I mean, out of interest. They, they were never going to be a factor here. I actually saw all of them in Helsinki like mm-hmm. two or three weeks ago because they were there just before going to, uh, where was the group, right? Madrid, because they, they played Spain. Uh, they were there with the, uh, you know, the, the whole team was pre- pretty much there. Even though they all lost early, they stayed until the, well, I, I don't know, end of the week because I was leaving on Friday, but they, they kept tra- practicing there because it just yeah. made sense for them, made sense for them to, 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 you know, to, to practice there and not go to Madrid instantly. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, they, they never really <laughs> had a chance here, right? They, they didn't. Uh, Gomez played a fantastic match against Carrillo Busta. It did. That's, yeah. th- that, that was pretty cool. Quiros uh, yeah. took a set of Rublev, which is just wild because the, the, I mean, he really hasn't been doing that well. It's probably more Rublev than Quiros, to be honest. Yes, but, I mean team competitions always sort of they bang at the know, live by its own rules. Yeah, I mean. uh, but yeah, no, okay, we're not going to talk too much about Ecuador apart from that. I think Spain and Russia is, is where it was at. The the tie there was really interesting. Unfortunately, we couldn't get Alcaraz uh, to play. I think he was he had COVID. Yep, I'm pretty sure. So he had to pull out. But there's loads of other interesting stuff going on. First thing I'd want, I'd like to say, the, the reason Russia and Spain played each other dates all the way back. You might know this, Damien, I'm not sure, but it dates all the way back to 2017, sort of. Because Russia played Hungary and Fusevich beat Rublev, Kachanov and Medvedev in the, in the doubles in one tie. And that basically knocked them out of the world group. They didn't have enough points to sort of retain a ranking within the top six nations in the world so they had to they had to play one of the top seeds basically in the in the group stages so it it all goes back to Fusevich mm-hmm. basically that's the reason Russia are playing Spain okay. so early in the tournament it's quite interesting you know uh, just bizarre stuff in Davis Cup mm-hmm. as always but yeah anyway yeah so a lot of drama early on because of that Medvedev playing PCB was a really interesting match you know I think Medvedev maybe had a bit of a chip in his shoulder after the Olympics, um, certainly, he got his revenge in Cincinnati, but he played really well again. 
um, well, we've played semi-well, well enough. Uh, he just had this base level in the Davis Cup this week where even if he wasn't playing quite his best, it was just way, way better than anybody else in the field. Even, you know, PCB, who should have been able to... He probably his trickiest opponent, I guess, on paper um, for somebody like Medvedev, arguably. But yeah, no, he, he was just too good. Um, he did lose control of the match a little bit. Had five match points before he converted to fifth. Had a volley on top of the net. I don't know if you saw that, Damien, but it was an absolute horror show. Mm-hmm. Shows, yeah, that, yeah. Uh, shows that Medvedev is still human at the net. But yeah, a really good match. Eventually closed it on a tiebreak. That was his 60th one of the year, I believe. So he might be about 63 or 64 now, more than a anybody else on the male or female side of the tours um, but the most exciting match I think in that tie was probably the Rublev Vela Lopez showdown I don't know how much of that you saw but... yeah yeah I saw most of it yeah are you a pretty big Vela Lopez fan that... sure I mean <laughs> anyone who volleys a lot and yeah. in general I mean often the stories of veterans you know guys who are yeah. pretty much in the twilight of their careers that's what's really everyone loves it excites yeah. me yeah and everyone yeah that's that's it for everyone and this this was a very fun match to follow 40 mm-hmm. year old and still beating obviously rublev wasn't at his best all no. week uh, no. i mean and a pretty weird point that i that i mean i i, I just looked at rublev's opponents into this week and i mean he he played one top 100 player did he <laughs> Yeah, wow. <laughs> um, uh, Dominic Kepfer, and yeah. the rest were just, you know, the the average ranking of his opponent was one hundred and eighty. Yeah, wow. so that Jeez that oh. sort of explains <laughs> how he was able to still win four matches out of five mm-hmm. without actually ever playing his best. Really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I thought he played really well against Kupfer, the player he probably sure. needed to play his best against. But apart from that, yeah, certainly against. Feli Lopez, the fact he lost that is, is pretty mental. I mean, obviously Lopez can serve well enough to sort of keep himself in contention for many matches, but from the baseline, he really should have done better. And uh, Lopez was kind of just getting under his skin a bit with the the slices and the changes of pace and the the rushes forwards worked really well. You know, if you're going to play Rublev and you've maybe not got the the biggest set of weapons from the the baseline in your arsenal, then I think that's what you need to do. You just need to throw a ton of variety at him basically and it worked a treat it was really good to watch really enjoyed it, it it almost really cost them to right i mean mm-hmm. i'm sort of jumping forward here but both in atp cup and davis cup that mm-hmm. was actually the only doubles rubber they the russians required this year yeah yeah you know i, I don't think they would have been winning that at the, the start of the year to be honest i don't maybe they wouldn't have played karatsev and rublev to be fair hypothetically but my point is just as a doubles pairing they've or as double players individually, they've gelled quite nicely, definitely. Certainly Rublev, who I guess it's maybe not so much the volleys, but just his power from the back of the court is enough to to to, to give people a problem, basically, whoever he's playing. So, yeah, it was, it was a good win for them, nonetheless. Obviously, he got his revenge against Lopez and stuff. So, yeah, I th- just speaking of that doubles pairing, they've only played three times this year, I think, and they own a 10-2 record playing together. They're a good pairing, obviously. I think they won in Dubai at the start of the year. Was it Dubai? Maybe it was Rotterdam. But yeah, there you go. Yeah, it was good stuff. Yeah, so Spain got knocked out by Russia. Moving on to Group B, we had Kazakhstan, Canada and Sweden. Kazakhstan, I was expecting quite a lot of them at the start of the tournament. But yeah, obviously we'll get on to what happened in the knockout stages. Some mental stuff there. But yeah, they still stepped up, I think, in in my opinion, certainly against... I think Canada didn't win a tie, actually. I suppose Pospisil was Pospisil leading Canada. Is that right? Or was yeah. it? 
Yeah, he yeah. was the number one. And then once they played Schnur, once the DS. So, I mean, yeah. no, no other team, no Shapovalov, no Raonic, although he's been injured for a while. But yeah, they, they, I mean, Kazakhstan has been a dark horse in Davis Cup for so long now. Uh, mm-hmm. I believe in the last 10 editions, they were mm-hmm. in the quarters six times. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think this is yeah the, the sixth time at this tournament, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And most of most of these were obviously in the old format, where you mm. just had to win one one best of five tie to get there. But also uh, in 2019, they they m- didn't make it out of the groups, but just on set differential. So they mm. they they have always been great, and now they have Bublik. Yeah, <laughs> and it's a fantastic addition because obviously Kukushkin, Golubev, and Nedovyesov were have been on the team since forever. But public is some, you know, is something that can really help them yeah, do definitely. even better. I mean, I don't know for how long Nedovyesov is gonna play. He he barely played singles this year, pretty much focusing on doubles. So mm-hmm. I don't know how long they, you know, Kukushkin is in decline as well. So mm-hmm. I don't know how long that these that these chances that they have are gonna last. But if if they're still, you know, as as that four four player team, then then they're really dangerous. Yeah, and they were against both of those teams certainly, against Sweden as well. Um, Bublik, who did he play again? Mikhail, I think. I'm pretty yeah. sure. Uh, yeah, Mikhail was really good all week, and Bublik kind of made him look a bit standard. Maybe you know, Mikhail maybe doesn't have the biggest weapons in the in the mm-hmm. game. To be fair, he's just a really impressive all rounder. But yeah, you know, Bublik was amazing against him. Uh, I really enjoyed watching him. So Canada got knocked out pretty comfortably. Sweden did well enough to keep themselves in, so they got through to the the knockout stages. Uh, moving on to Group C, we had Home Nation GB v my Home Nation even GB v France. I thought this was a bit of an upset, to be honest. Um, I was expecting them. I was expecting them to get a singles win. I maybe not an upset. I'm certainly okay. So we had Cam Norrie against Arthur Rinderknecht. It was a pretty close match. There was a really close set point at the end of the the second set. I think Cam saved it with like a a diving volley or something like that so really out of his elements still managed to get the set point load and convert a really important match Dan Evans against Manorino I thought that could have been closer as well to be honest again Dan maybe not the biggest weapons in the book and someone against Manorino could get a little bit sticky but you know like whenever Manorino was coming forward he had some amazing passing shots like it just made him look sort of substandard so yeah obviously they had the the doubles again this was that wasn't a given but it was um pierre hughes her bear and nicholas mahu i think beat salisbury i'm pretty sure and um yeah they played my rinderneck actually oh it's rinderneck uh, so it was just because yeah. it didn't matter yeah yeah it was, it was a really good tie in general really good win for the the brits i don't know if if that's what justifies them getting a a wild card this year, that one yeah. performance or something. Maybe talk about that later, possibly. Yeah, <laughs> but, yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's a topic for another time. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, uh, really good win. I don't agree with it, by the way. Just uh, like to say that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, 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 it's a bit unreasonable, I guess. I mean, yeah. sort of unfair simply to Germany, probably. Yeah, yeah, at least. Because Serbia, Serbia got it. But I mean, we're going to see. Maybe they want to host the tournament in, in Great Britain. Yeah, or something like maybe, maybe maybe Serbia is just because Djokovic they they want Djokovic to play. That's uh, fair enough. You know, I'm happy with the Serbia one. I think if you've got the number one singles player in the world on the team, then that justifies a wild card entry. Mm. I mean, we never really had something like that in Davis Cup, right? It was always just 
yeah. as the rankings. So it's I, I I really don't know. There's no precedent. Like I that's that's a good point. You're right. Maybe. I, I I really don't know if it's like on merit or or or, mm-hmm. or on what. And yeah. I I would be cool with just giving the four spots to the you know to the semi-finalists and the yeah. finalists. But I agree. Yeah. To yeah, just scrap the wild cards. I think I'd agree with that as well. Good tie though. Yeah. So they got through, and then they also got yeah they got through by beating Czech Republic as well. Thomas Machak, definitely the standout player for Czech Republic, beat Dan Evans and Gasky in straight sets. So solid in both matches. Damien, can you tell me anything more about Thomas? He certainly looked like he had an amazing serve all week, which I wasn't expecting. Is that standard for his game? Has he just played better than he, he normally does because it's Davis Cup? I don't know the serve, but in general, he just plays like an all-out attacking style. That's why right. he's, it's really tough for him to do that consistently, but he's mm-hmm. always going to be dangerous in these indoor conditions. Like He's just a player that needs a tad more balance, and if he does, he could easily progress. I, I also really liked uh, Izzy Lehechka's uh, performance against Nori. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. I, I thought they should have played Lehechka from the very beginning instead of Vesely, but I don't know maybe that maybe that you know would have been a little bit too bold for the for yeah. the Czech captain to go for in the in the first place. Two-time challenger champ this year. Yeah, right? and, and and made the final very recently the week yeah. before before Davis Cup in uh, in France I think Paul. Uh, so I, uh, so 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 I I thought this would have been a better choice than Vesely yeah. possibly. I you know we we obviously have no chance of of checking on that, but he played a fantastic set against Nori. Obviously, the other two were not competitive at all. Yeah. But, but I mean, yeah. Um, Czech, Czech Republic has so many good youngsters that, that maybe in a few years they can actually be a, a big factor in, in yeah. this. Yeah, certainly. I, I saw your, um, I can't remember who it was for, Damien, but you did a little video on six players, mm-hmm. five players to watch. Five, even. yeah. Yeah, yeah. Le- TikTok uh, Tennis it- is the account. Yeah, that was it. Yeah, yeah. Is it Lecheka? Is that how you pronounce his name? Uh, Lehechka. Le- Lehechka, even. Yeah, that's, Lehechka, yeah. yeah that's he right. was one of your picks, wasn't he? I'm pretty yes, sure. he. Yeah. I I put him at number five. Yeah. Uh, I mean, uh, I I don't know if it's actually pronounced like that. Uh, my Czech is also not that great, but whenever I say it like that, no one, you know, no one ever told me, no, 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 don't do that. Yeah. So, uh, so I guess it's usually Lehechka. Uh, <laughs> Something along those lines. Yeah, close enough. Um, yeah, so no, they had a lot of good. Um, I don't know if Lechka debuted, but certainly Machak did. So you know, a good debut from him at least. The two of them playing above their level for sure, but uh, it wasn't quite enough to get through the doubles. Pretty much, I think they lost both doubles ties quite easily. So they took. I mean, Mahachal and Lechka took a set of Albert May, which is so they did. Yeah, so they did. Sorry, I forgot that. Pretty surprising. Yeah, yeah. I I don't believe I watched that. So. Can't really tell anything about that. No, I know. I don't know either. I said obviously Mahu and uh, Herbert are are um, prone to a few dips and in, in form every now and then with it over the course of a match. To be fair, so you know it's not too surprising. But well, a bit surprising. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, yeah, amazing debut for Matak at least. It was, it was good. Moving on to Group D, we had Croatia, Australia, and Hungary. Croatia, obviously, the eventual finalist, and it was thanks to their secret weapon. Mr. Borna Goyo, or is it Gojo Goyo? No, I, I, I was, I've been pronouncing that Gojo every. They've been saying Gojo, every, so but yeah. I think I've been butchering it because I, I uh, just before we started recording, I actually uh, found a Croatian podcast on YouTube, and I listened oh. to the beginning, you know, mm-hmm. so in order to hear the, you know, how it's pronounced by the host or by himself. Yeah, and yeah. it is Go, it is Goyo. 
It is Goyo. Okay. Yeah. Cool. I was just thinking of uh, yeah because P- Joe wouldn't Peter make sense in, yeah, in exactly. terms of yeah, yeah. you know Balkan languages or Slavic yeah. languages for the. Moment. I was thinking of Peter Goyacek, the German. Yeah. I mean that's that. a completely different family of languages, but you also wouldn't have <laughs> Joe there. Yeah. 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 I mean, yeah, it's pretty ignorant of me to be honest, but still, <laughs> that's all I had to to base it off. Anyway, yeah, born a Goyo, six foot fiver, big massive serve. He won three matches this week is that right only lost his last one to Rublev but we'll get on to that as well so yeah against Australia he was really good against Alexei Poprin who could have been a dangerous opponent obviously massive forehand Poprin and a good enough serve to trouble anybody so yeah and you know Goya's ranked 270 odd in the world or something like that so a really good win for him yeah obviously you know in, in any Croatia tie basically they had to win one singles so for for Goyo to win. Yes, and that, win that, that's a big part why Marin Cilic only won one match this like, this week, <laughs> this fortnight, let's say. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, uh, I, I'm pretty surprised looking at it right now that they didn't play uh, Goyo in the Thai versus Hungary. Mm-hmm. I mean, that sort of looks disrespectful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> because they, 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 they were just really expecting Cilic to beat Pirosh. And then, I, know. I mean, doubles obviously is 90% of the time a point for them. But yeah, I mean, uh, f- as for Goya, if I if I can, you know, drop in for a bit, I think yeah. an important. I I see a lot of people usually when when someone ranked two hundred eighty or something uh, does you know I don't know, does well at some tournament, uh, a lot of people instantly jump and say, uh, "This guy is gonna break yeah, through yeah. soon," and it's not necessarily the case. I mean, yeah. people just don't really realize how much talent there is there and that that guys like Goyo don't really get the chance to play matches like this against top players but so many of them you know could do well and Goyo all year he reached two challenger semifinals Uh, and that that, that's how tough it is out there even though he is a big talent obviously uh he I think a, a big part of his success this this week is also playing college tennis before I think these players have uh the tendency to succeed in team-based competitions as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's, was, it him, that, was, it, was it him that was saying that the atmosphere was nothing compared to college tennis or was that somebody else? It, I saw this quote. Uh, yeah. Probably him I, because it would I make it sense. Him. I don't know if there's any... I mean, Nori is a college player out of these players that who wasn't, played, but wasn't, that definitely yeah. wasn't Nori. Isner, not not really. No, no. I mean, I think it had to be. Uh, yeah. I think it had to be Goyo, yeah. Uh, so so that 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 helps a lot, I think, and and yes, uh, I don't I don't believe that it's suddenly going to be like you know he's suddenly no. going to skyrocket to the to the top, but obviously this should give him a lot of confidence anyway. Yeah, he was more than a big serve certainly all week. So oh, for sure, yes, he also played very well um, at the Davis Cup two years ago, but mm-hmm. he had a much tougher challenge because he played. Uh, Rublev and Nadal. <laughs> so he did, yeah, yeah. So he yeah, did. So, so I did see the quote. He said, "If you can hang with Nadal, then you can hang with anybody." It, it world, was basically. two good matches, pretty much. Oh, yeah. Still straight sets, but but I mean, it was like three six four six and something. He, like kept, that. he kept it close. Yeah, he did keep it close. Yeah. So yeah, but some, somebody else you just mentioned uh, briefly there, Piros. Just yep. wanted to talk about him quickly. Um, twenty seventeen. Oz Open Junior Champ is that right? Yes, that is yeah. right. He was he was amazing again. Uh, he's I I would be more enthused about his prospects than Goyo's just because I think he looks a bit flashier. Maybe is how I would describe him. I don't know if you'd agree with that. Is there anything you can tell us about Piros at all? Though? Do you know much about him? Or yeah, I mean, uh, you know, ever since he got that Australian Open title, he 
couldn't really break through to do two challengers even. Uh-huh. But this year has been a massive step forward. Um, mm-hmm. It was like around the beginning of July when he just started winning, uh, you know, ITF titles and uh, ITF matches like you know on, yeah. just on a regular basis. Then got to his first challenger final in Bratislava uh, in yeah. November, and, and it really looks like that there's been some sort of a. I don't know how that happens to a player who's been, you know, a pro for a, for a couple of years. But just something in in July, something clicked. Uh, I, I don't know for, for for whatever reason, but his performances against Julian Milman were suddenly uh, were certainly a continuation of what he played in Bratislava earlier. I also mm-hmm. saw him in Helsinki, but there he lost to Liam Brody in the first round. And 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 I'm expecting more. Uh, he's been a guy who for years I've been saying that. There's gonna come a time when he's gonna be that, that he's basically too good for ITFs. That at some point there's gonna be a moment when he should, you know, at least play challengers on a regular basis. And yeah, whether he can do more with that, who the hell knows? But but mm-hmm. but that's that that's what his ranking right now should allow him for next year. So yeah, yeah. So I mean, yeah. Uh, good performance from definitely unfortunately though Croatia the only team to get through in that group just uh, the other two teams not doing anywhere near well enough really by the way do you know why Lukas Rossol wasn't on the Czech team no I don't because there there was a a funny article about this Uh, he basically requested more money Uh, oh really (laughs) they they got like $50,000 I think and he Mm. requested 81 uh, and they they just said you know the federation said no and, and he chose to play a challenger that's in, right. that, in that week yeah okay yeah <laughs> 81 so specific as well is he up to something shifty it's like <laughs> what does he need that money for uh no it's just that eighty one thousand dollars is two million uh in czech uh, currency oh is it so right. that, that's why yeah that's yeah okay okay that makes sense yeah, interesting yeah thanks for that david um moving on to the next one we had group e Italy, USA, Colombia, certainly on paper, that looks like a very difficult uh, group, which, yeah, I mean, it is actually the American team was pretty good on paper, but Italy v. Yeah. Uh, America, Isner was, I think, most one-sided performance against him in his career, I, almost certainly, actually, only two games won against well, Yannick Sinner. one, because he, he was only bageled once before, and it was right after the, the match, yeah. you know, the, the famous Wimbledon match. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think he lost, he won like four games in three sets there, so it's comparable to Timo mm-hmm. de Bakker uh, in, the, in the second round in Wimbledon. So, I mean, mm-hmm. comparable, really. But yeah, he was, he was, Easter was awful. No, no, I mean, I'm sorry, but like, United all States center. seemed really good on paper. But yeah. both against Sinner and against Galan later, I mean, they, they just really shouldn't have played Isner, but who could have known yeah. that, that yeah. he was going to turn out like this? No, I mean, I wouldn't have expected him to beat Sinner on his best day, to be honest. Like, I, I think Sinner's playing way too well at the moment. Obviously, you know, Isner could beat anybody on his best day, you know what I mean? Sort of. I, I just more mean Sinner was way too strong recently. Yeah, um, but that it's to be still, you know, you'd still expect a, re- a respectable score. You do, yeah, yeah. Two tie breaks, whatever. It, but. Yeah, two tie breaks, one tie break, one one break. Sinner mm-hmm. has been returning really well recently, so I also didn't really think he was going to win this. But, yeah. you know, at least put up a fight. And then the loss to Galan is indoors against a, a clay court specialist who hasn't been doing well at all. It's just... That's bad. I mean, he, disappointing for, for American fans. I don't know mm-hmm. how, uh, you know, how it is for him mentally, but... Mm-hmm. 
yeah, nonetheless, so yeah, I, I was going to say about his uh, returning as well. I think the worst performance he's ever put up statistically on return was against Federer in the Miami final here. He was second worst, though. He only won five points against Sinner's serve, and Sinner's serve isn't quite Federer's at this stage in his career. So, yeah, I mean, it was pretty garbage. Yeah, so USA didn't even come second. They came last in that group because Colombia were, were able to get a better... Um, I think they won their tie against America as well. Yep. Nicholas Mejia. Mejia, I think. Mejia put up a really good fight against TFO. He had two match points before he eventually lost. Uh, I, I'd heard about him before. Um, he's quite young, isn't he? He's like 21 years old, I think. 21, so I think, yeah. He was also a very good junior, like number four, I think. Uh, was he? Okay. Yeah, I think Tiafoe was. Uh, I I can't remember the exact things, but I think he was uh, writing something on Twitter that he was tired or something. Like yeah, he has like a like a yes journey before this. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. He had a lot of problems getting there. I think it wasn't yeah. wasn't just saying no. You know, I was tired and sort of flippant about it. He he did sort of say you know he had a lot of trouble getting to the the site. I can't remember why something to do with flights and stuff. So. Fair enough, you know that's fine. And he just said he he had to yeah, fight a lot harder. It. I don't basically. see it now, but but yeah, if if you're also remember this, then it was something along those lines anyway. Yeah, so I I thought Mejia looked really promising. I'd seen something that he was struggling to break through, basically, or something like that. Maybe he will struggle to break through as much as he's like, maybe. But you know, the the tennis he was playing there, I thought top two hundred, definitely. What is he at the moment? Like three hundred. In the world yeah, or something. definitely not two hundred. Yeah, I, I'm not yeah. sure where exactly, but you know. yeah, um, yeah, and then obviously the the doubles. I suppose that's why Colombia did so well because they had Cabal and Farah uh, able to beat anybody they played basically, but they they still didn't quite qualify. So it was uh, Italy that got through there, and then the last group we've got is Group F, which was Germany, Serbia, and Austria. Definitely again a pretty strong group on paper. Maybe Austria a little bit under. A bit lacking, but you know they they still put up a bit of a fight. Germany Serbia was really interesting, and um, we had Djokovic extending his record over Struff to seven nil. Not really ever going to be a challenge there, unfortunately. Uh, you know I've said how much I like Struff in the past, but he's just not got what it takes to beat to beat Djokovic. Um, nothing in his arsenal really that's going to trouble him. Record in sets as well, seventeen one. I don't know if you know that, Damien, but mm, he's only won the I, one I set but against I mean, him. It, it makes sense. I mean he's. I remember there was a match uh, he played against Djokovic where he was I can't remember what what it was but he, when he was in really good form and like people were calling an upset or I don't know, a chance there but it just went as every other match he played against yeah. him. I think it's sort of a matchup issue at this point that he uh, Struff is all about that sort of linear power yeah. and and Djokovic mm. can just absorb it yeah. so well. And, and that's there's just never gonna be much that he can do besides possibly net rushing and just serving yeah. out of out of his mind. But yeah, yeah, that's a very good way to put it. Yeah, linear power. He's not able to open up the court very well against Djokovic. Even spot mm-hmm. serving, to be honest, he doesn't do it well enough to trouble Djokovic. So it was quite a comfortable match again. Pretty much exactly as you'd expect, four and four or something like that. I think. And then Krajinovic lost to Kopfer, which turned out to be crucial to the tie. Um, as Djokovic and Kacic even lost to Kravitz and Pertz in the in the doubles. So, I mean, Kopfer, in the end, to be fair, it didn't really matter because Serbia ended up going through anyway, but, you know, they ended up losing that tie because of that match. Krajinovic, quite 
crap against Guildford, to be honest. I don't know how much of it you saw. <laughs> no, I, I don't think I saw this one. But I mean, Serbia had Serbia had a lot of issues this week with choosing the second player to yes. you know, to, to compete alongside Djokovic. Obviously, oh even even in singles, they they, they had some uh, even in doubles they had some decisions there. But in singles, especially as mm-hmm. the number two, they uh, everyone played right. Lajovic, Krajinovic, Kacmanovic. Yeah, I yeah, mean, yeah. Tachic didn't play, but he obviously wasn't gonna play singles. But, yeah, yeah. but three 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 guys, and even before the semis, the situation was not uh, mm-hmm. clear at all. Like it yeah. didn't it didn't even become clear. Yeah, I'll I'll, I'll get on to their pick for their singles player in the semis but yeah Djokovic doing a lot of the heavy lifting for a lot of their ties so yeah they still managed to scrape through which is quite surprising given I mean Djokovic is a pretty good doubles player nowadays better than yeah. he used to be certainly so it's you know not too surprising they managed to get through I think it's a lot to do with his serving to be honest not just his volleying how much better his serving has got over the years but yeah so they, they did manage to to scrape through anyway and certainly against Austria I think the 3-0 win was so important to them getting through Djokovic yeah, yeah, Novak v Novak. Novak versus got... Novak. Yeah, we finally <laughs> yeah. got it. Yeah, I think it was like a a match away from this at Dubai last year, and then Dennis Novak lost. And, it's and universal finally, disappointment, finally I'd imagine. Yeah, <laughs> yeah no, it was. I didn't. I didn't see much of it to be fair, but yeah, pretty much what as expected. I think uh, Dennis won only six points on Djokovic's serve to nineteen against him, so gives you a pretty good idea of how the match went. Um, and then there was Lajovic. Gerald Mercer, that, that that was probably the the one match. I, I thought Livich was going to lose that as well, to be honest. And I, I think it was quite close, actually. I don't know if it went to a third set tie break, but it was uh, something like that, maybe 7 5 in the third. Uh, um, Livich Mercer? Yeah. Yeah, 7 5, yeah. 7 5, yeah, yeah. And then Krajanovic, managed to win against Oswald and Marek, which I was also pretty surprised. Bye. So yeah, I mean they pulled stuff out of the bag. Certainly, I'm not I'm not going to totally diss Serbia and just say it's a one man show. I actually think they they did pretty well against Austria at least. So you know they deserve to go through. But uh, I've still just got that wild card in my head and not 100 percent sure if it's completely justified. As you say, it really is just about Djokovic. Um, if you're going to be awarding them a wild card, but yeah, nonetheless, anyway, they put up some good performances this week. <laughs> Right, Damien, should we move on to the knockout stages? Yep. Move on to the quarterfinals. Five through a few of these, we had Great Britain versus Germany. Oh, how much of this did you see, Damien? This was a bit of a heartbreaker for us, uh, unfortunately. Great Britain versus Germany, the doubles. Uh, mm-hmm. Did I see singles? Probably so had... not. I, I, kind of, I, I remember there were some people who, after Evans beat Gojovic so easily, they mm-hmm. they were you know just thinking that maybe this tie is going to be over in in a sack uh-huh. I mean Norris mm-hmm. Truth wasn't you know it was never really you know, he was never that much of a favorite but no. still that was no, the, no. that was the important tie there right and also obviously the doubles there which was like a 50-50 as well I don't yeah. know why they played Gojovic actually like, I have no idea yeah yeah I think Kupfer did pull out quite last minute to be fair pretty sure Dan yeah yeah had... that, that was the case because I think there was was it Evans yeah, he pulled, he was quite he was complaining about it. Basically. Yes, he said that it's ridiculous that he should prepare for two opponents. I don't know. I mean, the the teams aren't you know twenty people. It's no, four or five. Yeah. You you sort of know what to expect, even if someone pulls out. You, what, you... what what he said interestingly, Davian, is like to mm-hmm. prepare for one player. He said he had to stay up. I don't know later than he would have liked if he'd had to prepare for two players. He said he would have been up to about one in the morning, which is. 
the amount of preparation that goes. I don't know how much of that is true, but you know, he said it. I just thought it was quite interesting that it it's, takes it's that great if he does that. I mean, I I respect that a lot. Yeah, yeah, same, exactly, same. I, I don't think it's really needed in most cases. And it was a very, it was a moot point, obviously, because uh-huh. I think Dan had one of the most one sided wins of his yes. um, year. To to be fair, so anyway, yeah, the 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 Nori Striff match. I had, you know, I talked about Struff a lot in, um, in terms of his upset ability, his his ability to to beat better players than him. He's actually got one of the best records on tour against players that are better than him. It's just the consistency of, you know, beating players that are are ranked lower than him. So, you know, okay, that's not that much of a, a an upset in in that sort of from that sort of perspective. But Cam kind of blew this one. He had a couple of set points in the first set. One of the points was. Definitely a bit choky. It was just a forehand that nothing on it. Complete rally ball. Just it looked like he kind of shanked it basically and, and hit along. So it was a shame, yeah. Because I mean, obviously, it, with the doubles then going to Germany, that that turned out to be a really important set, and that probably could have been the difference between us going to the the semi-finals and not going to the semi-finals. So bit of a shame and. Yeah, I mean, Struff is brilliant. Actually, his backhand was, I, I said this on Twitter, his backhand seems to be better every single time I watch him play, which, uh, you know, is commendable. He's, he's still working on his game at, at this stage in his career. But yeah, that should have been Cam's, definitely, unfortunately. So yeah, and the doubles as well was a bit of a heartbreaker. Unfortunately, we were five love up in the second set tie break. We lost seven points in a row. And then the first set, we also had four set points that we couldn't convert. Oh, that's just that's just doubles. I can forgive that. It was the Struff Nori one that was more of a heartbreaker, definitely. Uh, the next one was Italy v Croatia. Croatia, obviously, eventual finalist. Italy with some pretty good tennis. Sonigo played pretty well against Goyo. Actually, I thought Goyo was just really good. Had some really clutch play plays. I think it was four one. Sonigo was four one up and a break point up before Goyo managed to claw it back and win it in a tie break. Obviously, turned out to be really crucial because Croatia got the overall win um, after they dropped the the next match. But yeah, Goyo saved three break points in the third set. Just some amazing plays again. He's such, he seems like he's such a clutch player, but as you say, Damien, only two challenger semi final. You can't do it. We can week out, can he? But um, the other one as well, Senner able to beat Marin Cilic. Cilic served for the match. Don't know if you saw that, but mm-hmm. he was bro- yeah, yeah. he was broken to love. Does that count as a choke? I don't know. Yes, of course. I mean, Mar- with Marin Cilic, almost everything counts as a choke. I mean, it's, the guy has had a fantastic career. Obviously, I, every almost every player in the on the planet would happily trade with yes. him. Mm-hmm. But it's yeah, it's getting really I don't know if frustrating, but very very predictable. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. And like we're gonna talk about it later, but even today, I mean, every single Marin Cilic match, you can sort of expect that. Even, uh, even when he had that chance to play Djokovic without, uh, you know, with that sort of mentality that he can go for his shots and all, mm-hmm. he cannot really do that. You know, he's just. Oh, no, I know. Yeah. Yeah. He. he the, the demons of his past just live live in his <laughs> head and. It's it's really hard for him to, to to overcome them. It was just predictable anyway. Gav's a massive Chilich fan. He would be you know mm-hmm. just ranting about it uh, perpetually probably if if he was here. So I am just doing that for you, Gav. A bit of a Chilich choke shout out. Don't worry. <laughs> 
Anyway, though, yeah, Croatia did manage to get through because Mexico and Pavic delivered against Sidor and Fanini fairly comfortably. No break points against their serves, so it's a pretty easy match. So, yeah, then we had Serbia-Kazakhstan, probably the match of the tournament. I don't know if you saw this one, certainly yeah. in terms of drama. We had Kukushkin against Kecmanovic. It went this way, it went that way. I was pretty sure Kukushkin was walking out the door. He was down 5-2, couple of, or 5 Three even before he had a couple of set match points against them. Managed to save those with amazing forehand winners. The momentum just went this way and that. Kecmanovic looked tired. Kukushkin looked tired. Four match points, I think, came and went for Kukushkin in the tie break. I think there was another two for Kecmanovic before eventually Kukushkin won 13-11 with more forehand winners. It was a bizarre, bizarre match, but it was, quite again, quite nice to see a veteran come through against... Um, against anybody, not anything against Kecmanovic at all. Um, I thought Kecmanovic was brilliant, and I think I'll just say this now. In the next tie, they decided to play Lajevic against Goyo instead. I think this match against Kukushkin was pretty good evidence that Kecmanovic is a good returner. He's got a really nice backhand down the line. The backhand down the line would have been really good against Goyo's forehand because he's got an extreme grip. I thought that could have been quite good to rush him. I just thought, in terms of form as well, Lajevic was the most bizarre choice they could have played. Yeah, I mean, of the three possible options, I think he was the worst one. Mm -hmm. I think Mm -hmm. I'd be deciding between Kacmanovic and Grajanovic. Kacmanovic got that day of break between the between the quarters and the semis. Yeah, so, you know. yeah it, would, it would have been long enough, definitely. Yeah, so I, I think I would have gone for him too, although Krajinovic I, I, I would have considered. But Lajovic was, you know, he seems to me like the worst pick out of the three. Yeah, definitely. Obviously, you know, it's all well and good in hindsight as well. But yeah, mm-hmm. no, I, I thought that before they yeah, played. He's just not in good form. He's not good, on, he's not good indoors, mm-hmm. uh, that's especially, especially comparing to Gutsmanovic and, and Krajinovic. Yeah. So. Yeah, yeah, and his backhand as well. I think eh, on a court like that, I think Kecmanovic would have been a bit better. So Kukushkin winning that match was a really, really big deal because, as you say, they'd been to five previous quarterfinals. Kukushkin had played in all five. He had only won two of his nine singles ties, I believe. So to get that win, to scrape that out completely, you know, out of nowhere, it was very... Obviously, it was a very emotional moment for him, so it was quite nice to watch. I, you know, the drama and the 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 occasion of it made it probably my favorite match of the tournament. Um, it turned out to be, you know, it wasn't enough in the end because Djokovic against Bublik that pretty much went exactly as you'd expect. Bublik did get him with the underarm serve once. I don't know if you saw that, but other than that, yeah, I think two break points and Djokovic's serve. Djokovic is way too solid. That extends Djokovic's record to 25 of the last 26 Davis Cup singles ties he's played, 18 in a row for him. Do you know the last person he lost to, Damien? Uh, Djokovic at Davis Cup? or Yeah, yeah, just as a pop quizzy thing. Ooh, ooh, ooh. I mean, I don't know, maybe if you tell me the year. Yeah, that's fair. It's uh, 2011. <laughs> oh, Jesus. 2011? Nadal. No, not the Zal. I don't know. That was no, a, that was a guess. Uh, maybe the, the nation then. Maybe maybe something will. You you yeah you'll get it from the nation. It's Argen- okay. Argentina. Okay, so Del Potro then. Del really? Potro, yeah, yeah. Can't yeah, remember yeah. the match at all. Yeah, he retired actually. So uh-huh. I okay, I set and a half in. So not memorable. Okay, outstanding achievement anyway. Eighteen matches in a row. I've got to say, Djokovic just keeps uh, 
piling on the records. It's ridiculous. Um, so yeah, then Djokovic bailed them out uh, after Kikushkin had won that first match. Uh, it was quite a good win, actually. Was it Goyebev? Obviously, he'd won the French Open. Is that right? Yeah. So yeah, good. I, I, I mean, uh, run the rapid, the uh, French Open. So it was. Yeah, sorry. Of course, probably served for the match, but they. So we did. They lost. I just yeah, yeah. yeah it's the French that ended up winning, though. Of course. I mean, I saw some people suggesting that maybe probably Golubev were were the better choice for the doubles yeah, than yeah. Golubev Nedovyesov. I mean. As always, we're not gonna know. Golubev Nedovyesov have so much history together. They also played this year for a good couple of months, so mm-hmm. I don't know. It's it's really hard to tell. But but still, they they had a very respectable chance against against Serbia in the doubles. They did, yeah, yeah, exactly. So you know, you can't you can't say too much about that in hindsight, really. Yeah. But yeah, Djokovic got got through, got them through some amazing returns. They got back to the semis for the first time since 2017. Last quarterfinal we had was Russia v Sweden. Just very quickly go over this one. We had Rublev winning a painful match against, I think it was Elias, I'm pretty yep. sure. Unable to serve the match out in the second set. Actually lost 14 of the last 18 points of that second set. He just looked absolutely knackered. He couldn't use his forehand anymore. It's rare his forehand breaks down, actually. I will say that much. I, I think, obviously, he goes for his forehands, but um, for it to break down as much as it did in that match you don't see that too often I think that might have been fatigue to be honest just end of year and how much he's put into the last few months and yeah I mean he's played like an insane schedule yeah exactly yeah, there's yeah. gonna come a point where it's simply gonna you know hit him hard for the first time and he's probably gonna stop but for now he he's playing the Abu Dhabi exhibition so he's gonna be back so on the is. court in like yeah. 12 days <laughs> so he is yeah geez oh so like I, I was very impressed with him coming through full stall to be honest because I kind of expected him to lose it after his last few matches certainly from there so no he played really well considering he was uh, playing not his best I guess if that makes sense um, and then Medvedev just did his thing against Mikhail again the two of them are quite similar players actually the two Ymir brothers um, Mikhail didn't really have the strength from serve to keep himself from being broken constantly against Medvedev. I think he might have been broken as many times as he held, actually, so it gives you an idea. That was quite a sticky match as well, um, because it was kind of up and down. But, you know, if you're getting broken as many times as you're holding, you know, you're not going to win the match in the end. So Yeah, was... Elias, I mean, I think it's a serious case that Elias has a better peak than Mikhail. Okay. Yeah. Like, he, he he's just got a lot more weapons, but bringing that consistently has been uh, a big issue you know he's never yeah. broken the he's never broke the top 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 100 uh yeah. you know just just consistent he's just struggling to really play his best each week and Mikhail had that had that one fantastic year so we're mm-hmm. gonna see if he's if he's gonna make up you know just right now he's pretty much holding on to uh, 70 to a or so, 70, yeah. 75 maybe or something he's like holding that. on to it <laughs> Still a little bit thanks to the to the COVID rankings, like ninety fourth right. at the moment. Right. So okay. so yeah, yeah. He, he dropped down a bit, and but still 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 way way higher than Elias right now. But yeah. I, I I think it's you know, if you ask a lot of people, I think it would be a quite a common consensus that in terms of just a perf- uh, a level that they can bring to one particular match, I think Elias could be could be the the, the guy who can you know have the higher ceiling, and that was a great week for him, like. That's another one of these unexpected great performances, right? Yeah. Uh, because he played, um, he won both his matches in the in the group stage, right? Yeah, he did. Yeah, he beat 
Mikhail at least beat Pospisil, who did Elias. I mean, uh, Elias beat uh, Steven Diaz, so not that, that you know, yeah, yeah. not that exciting, but also Kukushkin, and then yeah. played a great match against Rublev. So yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah so I, I mean, for Sweden in general to get to the semis of the Davis Cup, I think that was a an upset in, a, in and of itself. So um, yeah, really impressive week for them. I don't think we'd be too disappointed to go out to Russia in the end, obviously. <laughs> Um, so yeah, then the semis were set. We had Serbia v Croatia and Russia v Germany. Just touch on Serbia v Croatia first. Borna Goyo v Lajovic. We have kind of talked about that already. Yeah, Lajovic was a bit of a misstep. Backhand got a telling on return. Yeah, um, yeah, we've talked about that already. We'll move on to Djokovic v Cilic, which I thought was very close for a lot of the match, actually, until Djokovic, he kind of... I don't know if it's just how confident he is against that he's able to swing as as freely as he did in that second set but his backhand was absolute fire in that second set it was amazing uh, it's so most of it I think I you know Djokovic Cilic when I see that match happening I'm not too excited about it anymore <laughs> yeah yeah it just goes uh, as you expect I guess yeah exactly yeah. I mean it's so predictable and yeah close for a while Djokovic yep. goes to another level um, actually I had a bit of a carbon copy of that in the final but exactly yeah, yeah, the, yeah. these were pretty much the i mean the the tie break was great but it was yeah, yeah that it was. it was exactly the same sort of you know plan for the whole match yeah Chilich, yeah, yeah. gets gets a very gets a top player he can mm. theoretically win this because he obviously has a crazy peak he's a grand slam champion plays with him for like 45 minutes then when the, you know, the, the there's an important moment he i don't know if you want to call it a choke but he, I mean, he his level drops for a moment, and then it's just smooth sailing for the for the rest yeah. of the match. I think that's a bit of a euphemism, probably. Davian saying that his level drops for a bit because I think choke. <laughs> choke <laughs> I think I think choke is uh, fair, to be honest. But uh, anyway, yeah, I you know when it's expected, go you won, and then we had the dubs, and the dubs was uh, I like I like it on paper. I loved it on paper. Actually. I just loved the idea of two number one players playing against each other. I thought it was really cool. And I wanted so much more. I didn't really expect any more, to be honest. Um, but I was, was just—it was a—it was a pretty cool match. I think I had a very Davis Cuppy feel it to it. You know, like you wouldn't really get that anywhere else, if that makes sense. Um, and they kind of hung with them for a while. You know, like Djokovic pretty much held them afloat by spot serving really well. That was kind of all that kept them in it because. The the other pair obviously were I think they had one break point against them the whole the whole match, um and then when they did take that first set they just made Djokovic and Krajnovic look like they'd you know never played doubles before basically, so yeah Croats got through, and then we had Russia v Germany, the singles match there Rublev v Kupfer, Rublev's tidiest match of the week finally he got a nice simple match. Had no problems countering Kopfer's backhand with his own massive pace off the forehand. Obviously, Kopfer being a lefty, um, that backhand would be going into Rublev's forehand. So that's normally Kopfer's weapon. Uh, but yeah, he bageled him in the second set. Um, yeah, that, that, it, it was nice to see Rublev get a good uh, match for once because he he, see, he was so frustrated the whole week. Um, to see him just like actually tidy one up rather than make a mess of it was uh, was quite nice. Um, and then Medvedev v Struff again a bit of a Djokovic stuff feel I guess you know the same weapons just not having the same effect against Daniel you know he was trying to serve and volley against him I would actually argue the serve and volley worked less against Medvedev than it did against Djokovic obviously you know Medvedev isn't 
returning anymore. He's hitting a ground stroke from where he's standing in the court. <laughs> um, so the passes were, 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 were just electric every single time. It, you know, it wasn't mega simple again, but it was just one of those ones that he managed to find a pretty, uh, you know, comfortable route through in the end. Um, I don't know if you saw afterwards, but he trolled the, the crowd with the same sort of stick yes, he'd used yes, at the US yes. Open. He was saying, when you're against me, that's what makes me win. You know, the more you boo me, basically, the more I'm, I'm going to win. He said the same thing in Madrid. And I don't know why he felt like the crowd was against him, because it felt like they hadn't booed him at all. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't really understand it. I, I mean, he, he likes to get have the crowd on not on his side. So, I mean, he just sort of, you know, <laughs> maybe he tries for it. Like maybe, he, maybe. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, possibly. He was doing a pretty um, sort of out there celebration, like sort of stamping on the mm-hmm. ground, being quite aggressive, I guess, towards the crowd. You if might it be right. for him, I mean... It's bizarre. It's like anti-Djokovic, you know, it's the only thing they don't have in common. He uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> He's looking for hate from the crowd rather than love from the crowd, I guess. But I, if that's if that's true, Damien, it's a very interesting theory. I, I absolutely... The guy fascinates me to no end, honestly. <laughs> Um, but yeah it was very funny to watch I was laughing he even said the best part of the Davis Cup for the team was knocking the home nation out in Madrid that was definitely our favourite part of the the cup obviously to a lot of jeers from the crowd a lot of booze it's just funny he's such a weird wonderful guy Um, yeah so that you know with that win they got through to the final it was Russia v Croatia Rublev v Goyo I, did you see any of this, Damien, first? Yeah, Sorry, because obviously yeah. we're doing the... Obviously, you, you did see uh, Rublev v. Goyo, at least, anyway. Did you see Medvedev v. Cilic? Or? More of Medvedev Cilic, less of Rublev Goyo. Okay, yeah, yeah. But yeah, as we as we talked about before, I mean, Medvedev Cilic was just by the book. <laughs> yeah. Everything went just like we expected, although the tiebreak was obviously very thrilling. But then the whole year, the two Russian singlists have been just way too good. Um, yeah. No, pretty much no other nation has two singlists at this level and that's yeah. especially along with Medvedev's absolute dominance over the other team leaders it's just made them ridiculously strong in these competitions yeah, yeah. I think you're probably closest nation to, to Russia in terms of two really high-ranked singles players would probably be Italy Obviously, Berrettini wasn't wasn't here this week, so that didn't quite work out as, as planned. Um, so yeah, Russia just miles ahead in terms of that, definitely. I actually thought the level Chilich produced was the only... I actually thought his level was better than I, I thought it was going to be for the first set. Mm-hmm. I, I, I don't know if that's maybe a bit of a naive thing to say as a, as, you know, as a, as a non-Chilich devout, but uh, at the same time, you know, he was hitting some amazing cross-court forehands the serve fine, he serves that well all the time, to be fair. But yeah, I, like, yeah, if he pieced it together for just a bit longer, Damien, I, I could have seen him taking that first set, definitely. Yeah, no one would argue if you said that Julic was the better player in the first set. But then then after he lost it, it just, yeah, it, it just had a very, usual. a very Cilic feel to it. Exactly. Did Marin Cilic win? No. Yeah, yeah, yeah I love that Twitter page. It's very funny. <laughs> um, I thought the other one was more. Interesting, because yeah, as you say, Medvedev Cilic kind of went the, the way you'd expect, but Rublev Goyo, well, I thought that, you know, 100% could have been grounds for an upset. Actually, Rublev played really well. I felt I felt Goyo made that closer than it almost deserved to be, I guess. I think that was just testament to how well Goyo had been playing all week. I think he saved seven of, yeah, seven of eight break points uh, against the serve. He wasn't that good on return, and actually I think that's all down to Rublev. 
this is this was probably Rublev's best match of the week, I would say, because he served really well. Certainly, it felt like in the important moments against Goyo, he just yeah, he, he, his first serve was really good nowadays. Yeah. I don't know if maybe he feels less pressure against it against players whose whose returns maybe aren't as good, but yeah, he looked he looked fantastic, way better than he had all week. Basically, I think the tie break was the only tentative moment in the match, I guess. But he played a really good on the stretch pass from four or five down. And the next two points were just solid stuff from Andre, so he deserved to go through in the end. But I, yeah, I thought he, that will be his proudest match of the week, probably. On serve, for sure, yeah. Congrats, Russia. It kind of went as we expected, I think. I expected Russia to win. Croatia, I certainly expected to go deep. Um, Sweden, probably the most surprising result for me, to be honest, for them to, to get to the knockout stages. But other than that, um, quite a predictable yeah, ex- tournament. Maybe you could expect Croatia to go deep, but definitely not in this way. With Go, with Goyo going three one, uh, Serdarusic winning one match as well, and Chilic going one four. Yeah, yeah, that's definitely that, not not what was in you know supposed yeah, the, to happen. The yeah, yeah, that's very true actually. Script, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, we've talked about the wild cards for next year, but there was a, a little bit more controversy. I just wanted to touch on before we mm-hmm. wrapped up. Uh, Damien, a few quotes from some of the former players on the new Davis Cup format. Leighton Hewitt said, some of my greatest memories are playing in front of packed houses. Davis Cup was held in the highest regard because it was up there with the pinnacle of our sport in men's tennis, which was five sets. Do you agree the Davis Cup has lost a lot of its, its selling points, I guess, because it's now three sets? It's less unique, simply. Yeah, uh, ATP Cup is going to be in January, yeah. and it's like literally <laughs> the same event, and that's what I don't like. That Carbon there's... copy. Yeah, it's yeah, yeah. it's far less exciting for me. I think uh, I believe maybe a good fix if we still want to hold the finals at one place would be mm-hmm. to just limit it to maybe four nations and then hold all the other ties during the year like it was before because then mm-hmm. you'd still get the atmosphere you still get you know but just the finals would be a, a small event maybe best of five as well then because the players yeah. wouldn't actually have to play these many matches here you don't you're not gonna go for best of fives because you need to play five ties yeah five ties if you're gonna if you if you're winning that across 10 11 days so it's probably you know that that's yeah. not great, but if you limit the finals to just four teams, then maybe that's possible, something like that. But in general, having Davis Cup and ATP Cups at least so close to each other is probably not not. not I great. think that's the, that's probably the main problem. Yeah. yeah, I think yeah, there's not really a reason for the Davis Cup to, well, the ATP Cup to one or the other. I guess that yeah, you don't need both. I guess definitely agree with that. I guess that the, the end of the year is a pretty good, you know. Uh, time. time to hold Davis Cup. It's always been like that, that the finals are at, at the end. Yeah. But I mean, it, it just has to be not that similar to, you know, to, to the ATP Cup. And it's not at the moment. At the moment, it's pretty much the same. And we even saw this this year, Russia practically dominating everything. It's all best yeah. of three ties, best of three matches. Medvedev and, and Rublev just winning everything. And it just felt like the very same event. And at this moment, obviously, the Davis Cup has just finished. But I mean, I doubt anyone is really excited for ATP Cup. Maybe the, the, you know, the supporters of the nations that weren't in DC. So I don't know, Poland is going to be in ATP Cup. So I guess I'm kind of excited to see how we do. But mm-hmm. that, that's, you know, for the other things, I, I would need a couple 
more months to, to to actually get excited for a team-based competition again. Yeah, I, from an anecdotal standpoint, I don't know if this is actually statistically true, but certainly the ATP Cup seems to bring out a lot of, it seems to produce a lot of really high-quality matches. I can remember a lot of good matches over the years at the ATP Cup, probably just because it's at the start of the year, to be honest. I think it so, is sort of true, you know, because I yeah. compared the the average rank of opponents that Rublev and Medvedev had at ATP uh-huh. Cup and at Davis Cup. Yes. As I said, for Rublev, it was 180 mm-hmm. at Davis Cup, but 37 at the ATP Cup. You've done hard Num- work for number me. Two, number two matches, right? So mm-hmm. number two versus number two. Yeah, and yeah. Medvedev at Davis Cup, it was, it's been 69 and at mm-hmm. ATP Cup, 17. So right. it's... You know, clearly ATP Cup was much tougher in terms yeah. of the the quality of the players. I guess it's it's also due to the format that it has. You know, the the qualification criteria mm-hmm. because the the nations that qualify, uh, you know, get there because of their highest ranked player. Yeah. yeah. If that exactly. highest ranked player is not there, so for example, when Federer withdrew, I can't remember 2019, right? It had to be. Yeah. Or mm-hmm. no, 2020. 2020. Uh, when he withdrew. Uh, then they weren't able uh, eligible to compete anymore. Yeah, yeah, that's so true. So in in yeah. in Davis Cup, that's not how it works. <laughs> a, a team like Ecuador, who I, I don't know, Gomez is in the top one, top two hundred, but I mean, a team that doesn't have a top one hundred and fifty or something player can still get there. And mm-hmm. even if I don't know if Greece got to the to Davis Cup finals and Tsitsipas pulled out, they'd still mm-hmm. play, right? So yeah, so it makes sense that the, at the ATP Cup. There's simply going to be, uh, you know, a lot. The, the frequency of matches like, uh, I don't know, we've had we've had great games like Medvedev Shapovalov or Djokovic Medvedev or Djokovic Shapovalov for the matter. Mm. Then the frequency of <laughs> yeah. these games are, is just going to be a lot, uh, a lot higher. Yeah. What one more controversial thing Todd Woodbridge had to say about the the tournament, just basically about the money that goes into the the tournament. Or was it Sam Groff that said this? But anyway, he was having a discussion with Todd Woodbridge. But Sam Groff said it's the players who are defending the event currently that I'm sure are having payments on the backside to support what is now called the Davis Cup Rakuten Finals. This is not the Davis Cup. The ones that are going to turn up are exactly like Novak Djokovic, in my opinion. I don't have facts in this, but this group is obviously spending a lot of money and they have some big financial backers in Abu Dhabi, obviously. They were thinking about having the finals in Abu Dhabi. I don't know if that's still happening now. I don't know if that's confirmed. Um, Nothing yeah. is confirmed. I mean, it's at this point, it's pretty much clear that they're coming up with this. <laughs> just mm-hmm. you know, in the heat of the moment, they actually have nothing planned. So, that, that's, yeah, yeah, that's a little funny. <laughs> he basically said on Djokovic, for a guy that wants less tournaments throughout the year, a shorter season to support something that plays into mid December is very contradictory. I think he's got a point there. I don't know. Like that is yeah. a little bit odd. Does that he we support see it? Then yeah, like he's not. Well, he's playing I, it, but who says he he's not going around and saying this is the best tournament of in the world? You know. Yeah, yeah. Also in in Serbia, I believe it's like really important to represent your country. At least that's what it seems so from from what I see yeah. on Twitter or or anywhere that the fans really appreciate it and the the people really you know really care about this. So. I don't yeah. know, but yeah, I mean, yeah, sure. This is a guy who is limiting his tournaments. I mean, some some were expecting him to withdraw after after the ATP Finals, right? Yeah, but yeah, some, I, I there, there has to be some money for him from the federation. Yeah. But uh, I don't know if that's the important 
Like, how much would you actually have to pay to Djokovic to convince him to play something at this point? Like, yeah, I know. The guy yeah, yeah. earns, what, 130 million on That's court? That's true. That's true, yeah, yeah. So and probably five, five times more in contracts. So. That's true. Know. Maybe Sam Groff has just been a little bit cynical, but I certainly when Gerard Piquet um, picked up the tournament, I think there was a, a feel that the, the tournament was run by money rather than expertise. Yeah. Um, which, which is to an extent like you know if, if he doesn't know a thing about tennis so yeah and he makes the decisions i mean obviously it's a board of directors probably or something like that but but he he was one of the the, the person the persons that made the decisions so mm-hmm. i mean that that shouldn't really be the case of course but no no obviously not like in on a positive note, I think just to end, I would say that I thought the Davis Cup actually went pretty well, uh, considering there was a lot of flack around the tournament before it started, a lot of sort of scepticism around it. I actually thought it, it played it pretty pretty nicely. A lot of really interesting matches, and maybe the the lack of atmosphere was a bit of a shame, but I don't don't think you could really blame the format of the tournament for that. I didn't really saw a few complaints about that online, but I don't I don't really buy into that one. I think that's more just COVID than anything else, to be honest. Mm. I mean, um, the atmosphere issue always comes from the fact that, you know, the ties were usually held in one, well, always, always yeah, held yeah. in one of the countries that played. So the, yeah. yeah, it was Madrid in 2019, wasn't it? Even with this sort of new I mean, format. no, no, I mean, uh, that that's the new format, right? But that, that, that I do not really care about. But before... The, mm. And even right now, obviously not not the finals, but all the other ties to take place in one of the countries that are playing, and then I see, yeah, yeah. then the mm-hmm. the atmosphere is obviously amazing. But even even here in matches like Kukushkin gets Manovic, that was one of the the ones yeah, where yeah. there was some real Davis Cup feel to it, as you yeah. as you said. So I yeah. I don't think it was that much of a failure. Many people that complain about it still watch it. Uh, so yeah 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 exactly yeah yeah even if they're grumbling they're still enjoying the tennis yeah. exactly so yeah i think there's definitely something worth saving there for sure so you know if they can sort of figure out a way for it to slow into that i don't believe it fits into the calendar very snugly at the moment to be honest but i think if they can find a way for it to kind of work perfect because I, I i think it's really good in principle definitely yeah i enjoyed it damon i think it sounds like you enjoyed it as well we could probably well-ish. We could probably wrap up there, I think. Um, thank you very much for coming on. As always, pleasure to talk to you. Damien will, won't want me to say this, but you can find Damien's work on Twitter. You can find some of it on the last word on tennis. He's making a face at me. Um, yeah, yeah, just go support him. Uh, you can find my work on Jack Edwards at substack.com. Thank you very much for listening this far through. Uh, you can catch us next time. We'll still do this next week. I'm not 100% sure what it's going to be on yet, but I will still make another episode of the podcast, so please tune into that as well. Thank you very much, guys. Well, we'll catch you next time on the Online Tennis Podcast. Cheers. Cheers.